Welcome into the Husker 24-7 podcast. I am Mike Schaefer, joined by Michael Brunts, Brian Christofferson, our first episode of the year 2022. Gentlemen, uh, how have the first few days of your, your new year been? Has it just been uh, an entirely new you? Have you done things and, and accomplished things you never saw yourself achieving in those crappy years of 2021 and everything in the past? Or are you the same person you were? You just have to memorize a different date now. I felt like you're saying, am I the same crappy person I was a year ago? Is that what you're asking? I was going to leave that part out. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm the same, yeah. I mean, right now, I, I don't know if this is a problem for you, but apparently a new year doesn't change this. I tried to make some spaghetti. I always have trouble getting the right amount of noodles with the sauce. I like put way too many noodles in and it's a, it's ridiculous right now. My plate is overflowing with shells and the sauce isn't, it, it doesn't combine well. So yeah, I'm the same person, same loser. Is 2022 going to be the year where you start teaching us how to make soup? Also, I will make you guys that soup. Um, I will. Yeah, let's do that. Have a soup night. We're getting soup. I like soup. Soup is good. Soup. It's 2022 is the year of the soup. I uh, thank you for asking. I I actually already hit my weight loss goals for the year. Um, when you get food poisoning in the first 48 hours of the year, um, it it gets gets you there pretty quick. So. Uh, that that's how my opening week has been spent is uh, losing weight. Yeah, um, you, uh, you, very you, quickly. You turned uh, however old you are on January one. Yes, you had your birthday on the porcelain throne. Is that what I am to understand? Uh, yes. I I got through my birthday, and then um, after that was uh, I'm trying to think what the most tactful way to put it is, but. I, I was uh, occupied. <laughs> I, I was visit. I was visiting the transfer portal. Well, I mean, if we want to make that transition about occupied and transfer portal, that's where Nebraska's been the last few weeks. Losing weight. They've been losing weight. They've been occupied. They've been with the transfer portal. So uh, the focus as of late. And we'll get into Hunter Anthony, the offensive line addition here in a little bit. The focus as of late has centered squarely on quarterback. Nebraska's former quarterback, Adrian Martinez, announced a transfer in December to Kansas State. They will no longer have Adrian Martinez anymore. They have a, a new starting quarterback. We don't know who that will be. And they have several options they seem to be pursuing in the transfer portal BC, you were just writing about this, uh, I believe, was it a couple days ago, was a, a wild day in the in the transfer portal. Caleb Williams enters. Dylan Gabriel spurns UCLA for Oklahoma. Nebraska remains without a quarterback, but there might be some movement on that front. What, what do we know? What do we think we know? And what do we not know at all? Which one of those do you want to answer? Um, I think we know that Chubba Purdy in Nebraska seems like um, – they're getting close to the, the altar. I feel like, I feel like that is something, I mean, he's visit, he's going to visit January 14th and classes start. Do they send know. out some save the dates. Yeah. I, th I think they could at least start behind the scenes preparing those, um, you know, and 
uh, picking the, the flower pattern that you want on that. Uh, so as you know, you know how that goes, but I, I think, uh, yeah, I think that one seems very likely to me. Um, and I'd honestly be surprised at this point if that doesn't end up being a merger. Um, you know, Chubba Purdy's an interesting guy. I was sort of reading more up on his time at Florida state yesterday and writing about it. And I mean, really injuries derailed him from the start there. Um, his first year he had that collarbone injury, like his first scrimmage in August as a freshman, he wasn't an early enrollee at Florida state. And so that kind of put him behind the eight ball. Then he kind of got forced into a starting role despite not practicing a lot and having that injury and suffered. He had to have another surgery after that. And so he wasn't really available again until the next summer. So this would be his first spring with a program where he's actually like has a full off season and, you know, could participate in that wherever he chooses. I think it'll be Nebraska. Um, and, you know, so that, I mean, there's something to be said for that. If we're going to, we have limited data to analyze him on, but also when you think about what you've seen or you look at his numbers, just keep in mind, he really is sort of, it's been very disjointed stop and start. And hopefully now he has some good health and we can see what he can really do as a quarterback. Runts. I just checked the I, I just checked the registry um, online. It's pretty picked over from what I could see. The the <laughs> Chubba's registry. Schaefer just completely Tarikoed me on that one. So that's what, that's when you just go get a bottle of bourbon or something, you know. Yeah. 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 I look, I'm trying to keep us on the rails here. It's our first podcast. We have a chance to show people that we're professional that we can have adult conversations. You already were talking about, uh, you know, referring to the transfer portal in a, a less than positive capacity there earlier. Yeah. So I, I look, I'm just trying to do what I can uh, as a, as a guy who made himself host of this podcast. So, um, all right. So BT answered what we think we know. What do you, do you want to go with what you don't know at all or what you do actually know? Well, um, I'll, I'll go with something that I'm curious to know um, is, is whether Nebraska ends up with two out of the portal. Um, that seems to be up in the air a little bit, I think, just based on reading tea leaves and also, um, you know, just some of the names that are out there. I mean, we, we've reported that Nebraska is in a good spot for Texas transfer Casey Thompson um, it, it seems like that, that, um, potential merger would, would be a little bit more behind the scenes right now than, than maybe the, uh, at the point of registering for gifts and, and inviting guests and things like that. So that would be more of a veteran, you know, type quarterback into the mix. And this is all, of course, all taking place against the backdrop of Nebraska, frankly, needing to win right out of the gates. And that would seem to me to suggest that they would like a more veteran quarterback that wouldn't be kind of going through their first full year as a starting quarterback in a make or break year in Lincoln. So that that's out there as well. Um, also with the realities of the transfer portal being these guys are transferring because they want an opportunity not to go and you know, probably have to win the job right out of the gates against somebody that's got 
experience or has been handpicked by that staff to also be the quarterback. So that has yet to play out. We have about two weeks until we know, uh, you know, who the, who this person is going to be, but um, that, that's the other question that's out there is whether Nebraska is going to be able to, whether Nebraska wants to and, and whether they can get to, and also whether there's consensus in within Nebraska's coaching staff of who that guy is and, and how you know, that that's going to function in this offense that we don't know what it's going to look like yet. I think, yeah, I think you made a really good point there at the end with the consensus thing. I mean, you've got to, it's not like everybody in the building has to agree on it, but obviously Frost and Whipple have to sort of see this guy as like, yeah, he fits for us. I mean, both those minds have to see that. And, you know, that's what you wonder about with some of these guys. And then there's the you talk about stuff behind the scenes. Let's not pretend like the NIL thing hasn't completely changed the game. You know, who knows what's going on with that, with some of these decisions that are being made. I know, I know sometimes people think of the NIL thing so far as like the runs ad, you know, they see from a, one of the local players or something, but it, it's, it's way bigger than that. And it's, it's happening out of our view. And it's just a really interesting time because I'm finding that we've reached out to different portal guys, whether they're QB or other positions. A lot of these guys don't respond. Like it's a different sort of recruit. A lot of these guys are really taking it off stage. I'm not going to play this out through interviews or any of that stuff. So it's sort of hard to navigate um, exactly where some of it's going. And then you wonder like, how the dominoes get stationed differently. Like when Caleb Williams does his move, you know, and then Dylan Gabriel does his move. He was going to UCLA. Now he's going to Oklahoma. Now there's a spot at UCLA. You know, what was Casey Thompson maybe thinking he was a guy who could be an Oklahoma possibility, you know, considering, you know, his dad played there and maybe that's off the table now. I don't know. So, I mean, all these things, like when one guy makes a move, just like in a coaching, in our coaching carousel, it really affects things for weeks and, you know, the weeks ahead, because it, it, it definitely causes a chain reaction that we don't even realize um, some of what's happening. Yeah. Just to echo what BC said, I mean, in terms of covering recruiting transfer portal recruiting is by far the most difficult uh, I've had in terms of sussing out information and you just have to rely on your sources and then the, you know, try to, find things that way and, and everything else you can't get direct information I, I want to go back to where Brooks was talking about two quarterbacks I think Nebraska very much wants two. I, I mean I think they want the guy that can start for them in 2022 with the idea that they play well enough that then they don't have to do this every year I, I think the fear for some of these coaches is they don't want to be in a situation where you always have to go into the portal every year to find a quarterback uh, and so Nebraska, in an ideal sense, would get someone, uh, maybe a Chubba Purdy, that could develop for a year, learn, and then would have the reins starting in 2023, sitting behind someone, maybe a Casey Thompson, that would get one year in which he can show what he can do. Now, Thompson has two years of eligibility. He is a little bit older. He has a good season. Maybe he wants to move on after that. Uh, those are all kind of the things that they're trying to sift through. In the meantime, you just have guys jumping into the portal all the time. 
and they're coming from everywhere. They're teamed backup quarterbacks, they're teamed starting quarterbacks, they're FCS quarterbacks, they're group of five quarterbacks, they're guys with a lot of experience, they're guys with no experience. And you have to be able to sift through all of that, figure out what you want. Oh, by the way, you have several quarterbacks on your own roster um, that you will keep an eye on as well. But it's a uh, it it's a really involved process, and when especially when Nebraska wants, I think, to take two of them. Um, they have to kind of line it up that it, it kind of makes sense and that everybody's all on the same page of, of what it is that they're attempting to accomplish. So I don't look for anything to be resolved uh, quickly, um, especially if, if Purdy is, is coming in that first weekend, you know, we'll see uh, what, what kind of happens here with, with Casey Thompson, but it's still very much kind of a holding pattern for Nebraska as they're in this first full week of January trying to figure out, who it is it's going to be ultimately the starter that's going to dictate whether Scott Frost and the coaching staff is here to have this whole conversation next year at this time so it's it's pretty wild how much rests on the idea of who they can go get out of this quarterback there's the general fan interest of who's the guy I'm going to be watching next year and then there's the whole who's the guy that's going to keep Scott Frost's job and or lose that job or everything else so there's just a lot in this conversation, but Nebraska has had, I feel like, and and this is kind of where I want to turn this next. I feel like they've done a pretty good job this cycle attacking areas of their roster where they needed to add depth from the transfer portal. They went out and they got two FCS uh, specialists that basically are going to have opportunities to, to be the starter. Timmy bleak road, who BC just spoke to and, and Brian Buscini, who BC had already spoken to our specialist transfer portal correspondent, Brian Christofferson. Uh, he, um, you know, he, you've talked with both of those guys. I, I, I feel like that was an area Nebraska had to address. They went out and they got two offensive linemen, Kevin Williams, Hunter Anthony, and, and we're going to dive into Hunter Anthony here. And then Isaiah Garcia Castaneda, wide receiver, and Tommy Hill, a defensive back that they loved as a recruit. I, I just feel like absent of quarterback, which they're going to get, it's just who, uh, they've done a really nice job kind of replenishing their roster in the transfer portal, which was their whole goal going into this thing with their recruiting class. They specifically brought in a smaller class because they wanted the opportunity to go get players like this. So I, I think they've done a nice job with that. Hunter Anthony, he is not a surprise, I think, to any of us. This was someone that we had heard about before, really, I think, before he had even entered the portal or right as he had entered the portal, that Nebraska is going to be pretty heavily in the mix here. Spoke with him on Sunday after his commitment, after Oklahoma State played in the Fiesta Bowl. He, he basically reiterated, you know, I've known for weeks it's going to be Nebraska. What do you guys think of this edition of Hunter Anthony, and what do you think it means for Nebraska's offensive line in 2022? Brunts? Yeah, um, I mean, Hunter Anthony was, like you said, I mean, I, I don't think it was any secret that he was going to link up with Nebraska um, when he entered the portal. I mean, he entered on a Monday – he visited on that Friday. He'd also he actually talked about coming up on Thursday, but was since he was still at Oklahoma State, the timing didn't work out. But um, I a guy that in his time at Oklahoma State has played both guard and tackle, so you like the versatility. Nebraska sees him um, entering the mix at tackle, uh, primarily 6'6", 320, 330. So uh, certainly the frame fits the bill there. But a guy who can come in with experience and push, uh, you know, Teddy Prohaska, um, his being there also allows Nebraska to potentially 
move guys around um, to, to spots they might be a little bit more um, fit for. I mean, Turner Corcoran is is the guy that I, I'm mainly thinking of when I say that as a potential center or, or guard. Um, I, I think is probably a better fit for him. But uh, both of those those fits or, or offensive line transfers, Anthony and Kevin Williams from Northern Colorado, those are guys that are going to come in right away. They're physically mature, ready to get in the mix and provide competition because I, I feel like that has been what's maybe hurt Nebraska on the offensive line the last few years is you just have not had enough actionable depth to where if a guy's not working out, who are you going to slide in? I mean, Nebraska's pretty fortunate that Teddy Prohaska was ready to go when he was, and obviously the, the, the injury kind of sidetracked that, but they need more of that. And the other thing, I mean, with, with a new offensive line coach uh, in Donovan Rayola, what it allows you to do is if he sees a guy that, you know, Nebraska had as a tackle or they had him as a guard or, or whatever, it allows him that those extra bodies allow him some ability to move guys around, try them out at different spots. And we can get into this too, but I mean, you, you still don't have a guy that you point to right now and say, this is our starting center. Uh, when we roll the balls out, ball out in Dublin and, and start the season. So it seems like they're going to have to find somebody on the roster now to fill that role. And, and it's a matter of who it's going to be, but, but having these two extra guys and, and Hunter Anthony certainly allows them to experiment a little bit more, I think, than they would have otherwise. The, the interesting thing for me with Hunter Anthony is that he, he basically said Nebraska could use him anywhere. He's fine with that. He'll play anywhere. But he also just kind of wants to be left alone once they pick a spot for him. Like, I don't think he wants to be in a, you know, this week you're a tackle, next week we got an injury, so you're a guard. So that that is sort of fascinating because I think one of the things that Nebraska could end up needing that maybe we haven't discussed a lot, like there's at least a possibility Teddy Prohaska can't play in that game against Northwestern, that he may not be ready to go at that point in time. And so you may need someone that can handle left tackle for you, um, but only for a short amount of time. I mean, he had a knee injury in October. Uh, ACL returns are faster than ever, but it's still, you know, you're talking about an offensive lineman and and everything else. Like he's going to miss the spring. He's not going to be there this spring. So you're hoping that he comes back in in fall camp and you're going to have him ready to go it's not the worst thing in the world that you have a guy that could maybe step in and play left tackle. But at the same time, you know, Anthony kind of like, he basically said he wants to have a spot and stay with it. So I'm fascinated to see how that all plays out. I do think it's good depth for Nebraska. The center thing is going to be really interesting. I mean, once the quarterback conversation is over, then you sort of move into specifics with Nebraska's roster. And do you guys even have someone that you anticipate that you think is a favorite for that spot. I mean, the rumblings of Turner Corcoran are out there, but uh, that center spot on that line is, is really interesting. I don't dismiss Corcoran being a candidate there. I think, I mean, Scott Frost has already said it out loud that Nuri, you know, Nordine Newilly could be uh, an option there. And I think Nordine <laughs> Newilly is a, uh, Nuri, as we call him, is he's a, just a good chess piece. Like, you know, he's going to take one of the interior spots, whether that's guard or center. He was one of their best linemen 
frankly, when he got out there. Um, so he's like the one guy I'm like, okay, he's got a spot and Corcoran's going to have a spot somewhere. Um, the thing about Corcoran people need to remember, and I sometimes forget this too, is first off, I guess I didn't expect him to come in and be Anthony Munoz right off the bat, his first year in the big 10 as a left tackle. I knew there would be growing pains, but you need to add to that, that he missed basically all fall camp last year. I mean, he was banged up going into the opener and was a big question mark. And I just don't think it was all like he didn't, he didn't have a very easy first year of being a starter just heading into it. So I think people need a, maybe a little bit of grace when they analyze his play last year with that in mind. And then there's, there's other guys who I do not close the book on like Ethan Piper just because he had a really rough 21 and he did. He was a starter at the beginning of it and it went poorly, but I've seen a lot of guys in this program who didn't figure it out on the O line until their third, fourth, fifth year. And so I'm not going to say a guy like him couldn't be in the mix at center too, or in the interior. So I, I there's, there's guys like that. You can't just put over into the shadows just because it didn't go their way last year. I mean, they got a new coach. They probably have new plans themselves about what they're going to do and, and anything could happen there. The, the interesting piece to it, too, <clears throat> is, is you have a new offensive line coach who started a lot of games at center um, at Wisconsin. And I think there's going to be a very specific body type he's looking for. I think attitude wise is going to I think that's going to be really important to him just based on what he said in his first um, lengthy interview. Um, I think that. He also is going to, to look for a guy that can really kind of command that offensive line. I think that was one thing that Greg Austin really had to, to kind of work with Cam Jurgens on was that game command performance of calling out fronts and communication. And, um, you know, I, I, I think that there's guys in that group that you just mentioned, Brian, that kind of fit that personality and comportment wise. Uh, maybe a little bit better than Cam did, even if the the physical fit isn't perfect. But I mean that 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 at least gives me a little bit of confidence that they're going to be able to find the right guy, whoever that is, on the the roster to kind of make that interior spot go. Because you know, as much as you're shuffling pieces and and whatnot, I mean, we we've seen at Nebraska over the last what twelve years what it can look like when you don't have that center spot nailed down. I mean, it can be really tough to, to do anything. And that offensive line needs to be ready to go and, and be good in August. Well, uh, we spent quite a bit of time talking about what Nebraska is searching for. They're also searching for some assistant coaches. They have how many actual openings do they have. They have two openings. Is that right? Running backs coach defensive line coach or however it gets shuffled around specifically. Uh, but they, they have two openings. We have heard a lot about Bill Bush as the special teams coordinator. Um, the thought process out there about Mike Dawson moving to defensive line, because that's where he was at before he left Nebraska the first time. And uh, running backs now seem like that could have a full-time position coach where at one point in December, it felt like maybe Ron Brown was going to be doing that as an analyst. What, what have you guys heard? Where are things at with Nebraska's 
assistant coach search as it sits right here early in January. Well, I mean, Bush is going to do special teams. I think that's um, – you can put that in the bank. Um, I think Dawson's going to do the D-line like has been out there. Um, you know, I think he was already working at an outside backer spot where that guy was basically an edge rusher who was lining up, you know, with the D-line. I mean, it was all connected anyway. And Eric Chenander was actually meeting last year with what we call the JoJo position, you know, the outside backer, nickel backer spot, which would now be like Isaac Gifford or a Javen Wright type. And Chenander could keep doing that. And I don't think that would be a problem. I mean, a lot of uh, a lot of programs have a DC who also has another responsibility like that, so that's not unusual. Um, and Bill Bush, I think you could allow to freelance a little bit as a, within a niche role within your defense because he has experience, you know, as a secondary coach and really all over, um, even if he's special teams. However, I will say this: wasn't one of the big things what people are clamoring for publicly was a guy who special teams is my job. You know, that's what I do. That's all I do. I mean, if, if Bill Bush is going to wear all these different hats or something um, you were already doing that, you know, with Mike Dawson and Bill Bush was part of the scheme with that in the background too. So I don't know. I kind of like the idea of at least publicly just making Bill Bush your special teams guy that's it. Maybe a recruiting title attached to it. I don't know. Um, and, and there you go. And I think the rest of the parts fit together pretty well. Yeah. I mean, uh, Brian kind of hit on it. I mean, I, I don't think there's really a much, you know, intrigue about where things are headed defensively if running backs. You, you got to get that figured out. Um, but I mean, I, I think you're you're getting closer to hearing a name there too. I mean, I think for Nebraska, they're they're kind of of the mind that you announce everything at once, just get it out there, um, and and have things kind of settled um, by the time the recruiting kicks back up in earnest um, on, on the 14th. I mean, you've got players coming back into the building uh, to start winter conditioning in uh, next week. So, I mean, I, I would be a little bit surprised if we don't have firm answers on the, the way the pieces are going to be shuffled officially um, but by the end of the week. I mean, like Brian said, I mean, every specialist he's talked to has basically said, yeah, Bill Bush is running things. I mean, I, I don't think that there's um, – I, I think that's been the plan for a while. So, um, yeah, I mean, it, it, uh, it, it, it's a new look staff. I mean, I, I think – Overall, though, I mean, you have what I would say an, an upgrade in recruiting acumen just based on the addition of Mickey Joseph. And if you're adding Bill Bush as a full-time guy, you can send out on the road. I think that's really important, too, for getting Nebraska into certain areas that it hasn't been before. And also, I mean, he's a tireless recruiter and always has been. I Just to sort of add to what BC said, and, like, I'm not opposed to this at all, but if the idea was to get better from last year, wasn't Bill Bush involved with your special teams to a degree as the analyst? Um, or maybe he had no involvement, but. Well, <laughs> I mean, you can do what you, you can do, be involved in meetings. And, and I know he was, but, I mean, it's it, it was still, I think, the Mike Dawson show a little bit to, yeah. to a degree. But I, I get your point. I mean, you're, you're still – 
It's but a, my point is, it's a different it's movie, but the different. but an actor yeah. is there. <laughs> the yeah. smaller actor is there. My my point, just to hammer it home, is that for the fifth year, special teams will have been identified as a thing that they want to improve at, and their best route of doing so has been replacing specific individual specialists. And if you have hope for special teams, it, to me, largely resides in Brian Buscini and Timmy Bleakroad uh, more so than any sort of giant schematic shift. Um, that's just sort of where I'm at with it. But I just don't, I, I don't know that you're going to, you're going to get some giant shift there. So, all right, let's, uh, unless you guys have anything else you want to add on assistant coaches, let's take a break and we'll come back and talk about Nebraska basketball, because I'm sure everyone wants to talk about that Ohio state game and how Nebraska did not win it. Brunt seems particularly enthusiastic about it. Um, BC's eating spaghetti, so I don't know if we'll get him back or not. Uh, but we'll see. We'll see when we return. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. All right, and we are back. Nebraska basketball. Let's start with a positive note. The Nebraska women demolished number eight Michigan on Tuesday night. Uh, their 13th win of the season. They're 13 and one. I believe they are now two and one in Big Ten play, if I have that right. Maybe three and one. Um, Amy Williams has things going really well there. Alexis Markowski in her first career start had 20 some points against the number eight team in the country. Nebraska looks very, very good, uh, at women's basketball and they are a very fun program. And with all of that being said, we now turn our attention to Nebraska men's basketball, which is quite honestly the opposite of fun. Most of the time they did play pretty well against Ohio state, but they let a game that they had a lead in the final minute slip away. Uh, it, it featured every single complaint that I think fans have had over the last couple of years rolled into the final minute or so in that game plus overtime. Uh, and we bring in Michael Bruns to tell you about how it happened. Michael Bruns. Brian was there. <laughs> Brian, well, Brian was eating spaghetti. I didn't know if he was done or not. Brian saw it up close and personal. No, I mean, it, it, it basically was, you know, fans waiting for this team to win a game of substance over an opponent with a pulse. And for the second time this season, it's been right there uh, at the free throw line and it, it didn't happen. And I, I don't know. I mean, I'd be curious to know what you thought, Brian, whether 
did that game this is kind of a radio guy question but did that game seem like a was it more about nebraska or was it more about ohio state who was coming off of a basically a three-week covid pause and you have to pick one because that's how radio works yeah you get options and you better pick one yeah can't be in between the offense center um (laughs) well even though it is a combination of both i i (laughs) I do, I do, I do, th- I do think it, Ohio State was really rusty. I mean, I, but the, you know, that said, Nebraska had a good plan, and I don't want to take away from that. Like, th- they, they did a job on Liddell, and Lapman, who's really had a tough go of it, I think, offensively, actually played pretty well defensively in that game. Like, they, they held Ohio State's lead dog down. Problem is Ohio State then had a freshman guard who just went off. I think he ended up with 35, something like that. Um, and and I really thought Nebraska played pretty well. I mean, I thought they played almost to their fullest capabilities in that game. So I'm not gonna like hit the hammer over their head too much for that loss. They've been the last three weeks around Christmas, you guys know this, they've been sort of this work in progress of trying to sort of change midstream what they're doing offensively and they're going through Derek Walker with the ball a lot more and they're you know they're slowing things down and Fred Hoiberg does have a much quicker hook with guys (laughs) like it's kind of fun to watch actually like a guy will throw up a bad shot and Hoiberg doesn't just give him the hook like literally like he figuratively like well I've a few times in that game like he did a big dramatic motion to the bench you know like so I, I like that part of it um you know, Michigan State's next, and by the time this is up, people will have thoughts on that one probably. But um, I, I, I just think it's going to be hard to win a lot of games in this league with the deficiencies they have because on the defensive end, they can come in with a certain plan, but they always have to give up something to execute that plan. And if the other team is hitting from the perimeter, um, they're done. I mean, they just uh, – they're 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 – not going to overcome that what do we i mean how do i want to phrase this what are we sort of looking for i guess going forward it's a team that we know isn't going to play in the postseason wins are going to be relatively hard to come by like what like as you go into these games and, and you guys cover it significantly more close than i do um, what, what is it that you sort of are looking for out of this team in these next, what are we at? 15, 16 games to close this out. Yeah, it's, it's a tough question because you're in year three and the results have obviously not been this year, what you would have hoped they were with the roster that you've accumulated. Right. I mean, this is supposed to be their most talented team. Um, and, and they're still very, they're a ways away from even like middle of the pack in in the big 10, which I don't think anybody would have said that, Um, you know, two and a half years ago when Fred Hoiberg was hired. I I think what you have to look for, and it's tough too, because regardless of how things go this year, I think you're in for another resetting of the roster. I mean, I, I would be, absolutely gobsmacked if either McGowan's is on the roster next year. I don't think that Derek Walker is going to be on the roster next year. That's kind of been the plan. Um, you know, what, what are you, 
I guess, what, what am I hoping to see from somebody on the roster that's going to be there next year? And, and I don't really even know who you would say confidently is going to be around. I mean, you, you know, Alonzo Verge isn't going to be, Kobe Webster isn't going to be. Um, I mean, are you hoping that like Casey, you know, turns into like a, an all big 10 type performer? I mean, it, it's in a really tough spot to, to say, cause you can't really say like, okay, we're going to build for next year when you're just going to be blowing up the roster again. I, I, there's just no way that that's not going to happen. And that's a really scary place to be in a basketball program going into year four. So I, I, I don't know that there's like a, a warm glass of milk to, to kind of make you feel good about where this, this program is right now. Like you, you need to start to win games and, you know, I, I and hope that the guys that, that you feel like you're going to build around that very, very small group of guys that you can do that. Um, because I, I it, it's going to be a lot of new faces again next season. Yeah. Well, so we talked about radio guy questions as a former radio guy. What's your level of confidence in Fred Hoiberg two and a half years in compared to what it was when it first was announced in March of 2019? Well, I mean, I'm obviously with the, the record as it is, I, I'm it's shaken definitely for sure. I I'm shocked. Like, I really thought uh, when he was hired, I think I've said it even on these podcasts, those first years or so, even when things were rough and they're figuring it out, it's like, just give him a few years. This guy's going to win and win big. Like, I didn't even pause to think about that it would go this way. You know, I thought for sure by this point, we'd be covering a team that at the least is like an NIT quality kind of team, you know, where you're right on the cusp. And so it's, it's really it really is stunning. I mean, really with both basketball and football, how it's gone, when you think about like the expectations upon those two hires, you know, right off the bat and what the, you know, the win loss record is. So, and Bruns gave a very good answer because that's what's tough right now for Husker. You know, they've got a loyal, there's a loyal group that follows Husker hoops very closely and they, they get punched in the face every night and they, they'll watch again, you know, and, and hope that it's going to be different. And what's tough right now is, okay, like, it's not like you're built, you can build like these three or four guys are coming back necessarily as a nucleus. That's why I thought Breidenbach, when he got hurt for the season, I'm not saying like, I know he was figuring it out and there were struggles there, but he was like kind of your worker. He reminded me like in the old days of like a Bruce Chubbuck type of guy, like you're sort of building something blue collar there and you know, he's going to be around a few years and if you needed a few of those guys to be around and now he's not even available the rest of this season. Denim Dawson is a new recruit who sounds interesting. Fred Hoiberg said this quote, he said in his first two days, he dove, I think he dove on the floor more than I've seen you know, anybody, which was a compliment to Denim Dawson and also sort of a, a shot across the bow to everyone else, I thought. But we're not going to see him play this semester. You know, McCorn McPherson's a guy who they like his leadership, but I don't know where he's at or if he's going to matter and he's not going to play, it doesn't look like. So that's where it's very tough right now. Uh, maybe C.J. Wilcher, who played pretty well the other night, is a guy who becomes reliable and his brother pops in and there's stuff like that. I mean, that that's a hope, I guess. But I don't know. It's tough right now. 
Maybe they're going to go and beat Michigan State now, right after we said this. Maybe they're going to go. They're going to go up to Breslin and get in Tom Izzo's kitchen. I'm not saying that, but you know how it goes. You you say something like this on a podcast, and they go. No, Tram Petaway made himself a nice cup of coffee in Tom Izzo's kitchen. They could use Tram Petaway, right? Current Tram Petaway. Uh, okay, let's uh, let's just finish up with this. Just uh, I did you guys watch in its entirety the college football playoff semifinals on December thirty first? No, did you? What, what was that? Did you? I did not. No, I watched. I watched the the late game a little bit. What uh, what the hell are we doing here? These games suck. Name one good college football playoff game that isn't Oklahoma Georgia in the semifinals. It's really hard. They got to get them off January thirty first. That just doesn't line up. December thirty first, you mean? Or December? Yeah, sorry. I I don't even know that that matters to me. The quality of the games are just boring. So, I I just find myself like. Sort of just every year I go in like, well, maybe this is the time that someone's going to be of interest in this this contest. And then, no, no, they're not. They, I, I don't know. I don't think it's a good spot for the sport. I think there's, there's a lot that kind of has to change for college football. I don't think it's going to go anywhere, but it just is a very bland corporate product at the moment. And that is not what we grew up with. I mean, it was corporate to a degree, but it wasn't bland in the way that it is right now. Would uh, would an expanded playoff field with what would likely be more entertaining games attract you, the college football consumer, to the event of the college football playoff? Yeah, I think so. I also think there's something to be said for eliminating some of the giant break that you experience between when these teams play. Um it is sort of ridiculous that it's like a month after their most recent game or four weeks or three weeks, whatever. Um, if you have an expanded playoff, when teams meet in the semifinals, they're at least have a little rhythm to, you know, one week of, of having played. Uh, I think that would help to a degree. Um, and, and certainly I think more teams involved would help with a variety of things across college football. I think you'd have less people flocking specifically to several programs because you have more avenues to get into the college football playoff, whether that produces more champions or not, I'm not entirely sure, but I think it would help the overall product, especially when everything is geared and built towards your final four and the games aren't good. Like I just, it, it's tough. You know, you, you just don't get a good enough quality of product to make people care this late in the year. Um, and it's, it's to the detriment of your overall sport, I think. I guess uh, the pro of it would be, I mean, you're right. ESPN has basically built it all around who's in the final four, who's in the top four. That's what matters. None of it else matters. And at least you're going to have more fan bases across the country, you know, go tracking into November thinking, okay, we're part of this, you know, we're the 10 seed or whatever. And, and, and that's a good thing. I mean, the NFL did this, and some people don't like it that they added another game and a seventh playoff team, but they're no idiots over there. They know that, like, going into last week, 
you know, there was still like 10 teams. The Vikings, for heaven's sake, had a shot at the playoffs still going in the last week. The Broncos, I think, were not eliminated. Were they eliminated this week? They got eliminated last week. But you know what I mean? Like, we got these teams, like, they shouldn't have a shot at it at this point, but they do. And, uh, you know, I guess that there's a benefit to that. Um, But you're – I don't think it's an easy fix because I think what will happen is you (laughs) – you'll end up with like three of the four teams that get through end up being SEC teams or something. And you'll have the same complaints you do now. So um, Nick, Nick Saban needs to retire. Maybe that's what you know, or some, and someone who's sort of incompetent needs to take over Alabama. And then, and that opens up one space. I guess that's the best answer I can come up with. Is that, I mean, it feels like maybe I just follow the wrong people on Twitter, but it seems like, the the people who are against expanding the playoff that it's very regional in a very small region that's kind of trying to do the boogeyman like oh well you're going to get four four teams from the SEC and I, I mean that's going to be your final four so we don't want to do that I, I don't know why I care at this point I'm already getting two teams in the championship game right. that are from the SEC it right. doesn't matter how they perform in the regular season you're still getting two of your four playoff teams are guaranteed to be guaranteed to be the sec what do i care? i just want entertaining games i guess that's my point though is it's like well why I, I don't understand why that's like a scare tactic because i mean more more meaningful football and good games to me seems to be the goal and, and it seems to be more about too about the regular season is, is the regular season matters more for more teams then right than, than just you know paring it down to four which is, I mean, it's just made for TV drama anyways, right? Like you pretty much know who the teams are going to be by the time you get there. It's just a matter of whether Notre Dame loses to Air Force or Stanford late in the season. I wouldn't totally. Why Air Force? Yeah, why Air Force? Where did that come from? Our Air Force. Is Calhoun still there? Troy still, yeah, Flyboy. He's still there. You called him a Flyboy. Was it the Wyoming? Was it Dave, Dave Chris? Wyoming coach. Yeah. Yeah. Not Craig Bull, but yeah. Any closing when, thoughts here? You remember when Harvey Perlman had, uh, when he was a UNL chancellor, he was a proponent of the uh, plus one theory, which was you would basically have the old bowl system in place where people would go their separate ways on January 1st, but then you would set, you'd be like, okay, these are the top two, sort of like the old argument, like these two now play one extra game. And he was laughed at and laughed at, and I would not totally adopt this. I'm not saying that, but I, I actually would like it more than what we've got right now. Um, but I am very old school, as you guys know, I like, uh, my, I like my college football 1989. Um, and I wish it would stay that way. You're you're a man of, of big shoulder pads and neck rolls. <laughs> do, do you guys have particularly hot takes, or are you hurt personally by Joe Burrow not playing in the final regular season game of the Bengals season and opting out of that? No, I don't have hot takes on it. All right, I don't either. I just didn't know. It seemed like that was a, another hot-button issue that I kind of managed to ignore for most of the last week. I assume you're not actually talking about Joe Burrow, but the uh, the opt-outs of college bowl games. Right, but Joe Burrow opted out of, of the yeah. regular season finale, so it's 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 it's, it's, uh, it's everywhere. It's in the walls, guys. 
we'll we'll see what terrible things Desmond Howard has to say about him. So, you know, keeper of a game, Desmond Howard. All right, let's uh, let's end there as I throw shade to someone who won't ever listen to this podcast, anyways. Gentlemen, it's nice to be back. Twenty twenty two. Maybe this is a year that Nebraska brings us something besides sad podcasts and recaps. We'll never know. It's still early. There's plenty of time. We'll be back. We'll have more podcasts next week. See you then. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.